Hi everyone and welcome back to Fast Charge. I'm your host Dom and I'm joined this week by Chris and Toddy. Hello. Hello. Uh, we have a special episode this week in that we are just laser focused on one thing, the Qualcomm Snapdragon 888. That is because we've all got to rush off in about 25 minutes <laughs> for a big meeting, but also because no one decided to announce anything this week except Qualcomm announcing obviously pretty massive industry-changing groundbreaking news in its <laughs> new chipset. So if you are not familiar, Qualcomm is the company that makes most of the chips you will find in most Android phones. Their 800 series are their top-end flagship chips, so the 888 is their brand new flagship. This is the chip that will be in the biggest and best phones in 2021. Basically, if you're looking to spend, you know, close to a grand on a phone next year, it's going to be using this unless it's an iPhone. So it's a big deal. Um, and what's important about this is that it tells us what kind of features we might see in next year's phones. And also beyond, it tells us where the priorities are for Qualcomm, what we're going to see filter down into the mid-range and the budget section too. So it's more than just our ah, clock speeds have gone up. This is about, right, what are the big focus areas for phone manufacturers next year? We already know a little bit about which phones it's going to appear in. We have it confirmed that it is going to be in the Xiaomi Mi 11. That's probably going to be the first phone to launch with, with the Snapdragon 888 in. And that has been confirmed. Xiaomi's very publicly like, yeah, it's in the Mi 11. Uh, we don't know when that's coming. Rumors say maybe this month, maybe next. We have a whole laundry list of OEMs who've said they're going to use it, though. Just no one else has gotten quite as far as saying this specific phone will have it in. Is <laughs> I mean, there anybody particular missing from that list, did you notice? Or is it just pretty much everyone? There was I the think, interesting yeah, LG thing that happened. Yeah. There's, there's one company on there that's odd to be on there and two companies that are prominently not on there. Right. Uh, the, the odd one that is on the list is LG because... Okay. They did not use the 865 in anything. Uh, the V V60. Oh, was that? I think that was a. I think it was an 865, yeah. but that was the Maybe. only one. I think, at least in the in the West or in Western markets, I think it launched in the US. Didn't yeah. formally come to the UK in a in a proper way. You can get it on like the grey market. Um, but yeah. either way, we then that was sort of from there. They then made this pivot to premium mid range, I guess, and or at least their flagships using the premium mid range chips. Uh, we had the LG, the Wing, and the Velvet that just used the 765G. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone thought that would be the same going forwards and that maybe LG just wouldn't bother with the 800 chips anymore. So they are on the list, though, of using the 888. So we are going to get an LG phone with an actual flagship chip in. Um, the two prominent absentees are Samsung and Google. So Google makes sense. To be fair, I don't think Google was on the list last year either. Um, I don't know if right. they even would have been on the list before. So like, this doesn't guarantee we're not seeing an 888. But it makes sense that we would then see something 7 series in the Pixel 6 because that's what they did with the Pixel 5. Um, it's kind of the same thing as LG, except it looks like Google is sticking to its guns there, whereas LG's maybe gone back to the flagship space. Uh, the other one is Samsung. I wouldn't read too much into this. I think we will see the 888 in the new S phones. Um in, in the US. Obviously it'll be Exynos everywhere else in almost uh, all likelihood. I don't know why Samsung don't... Again, I don't think Samsung were on the list last year. Uh, and we did obviously see the 865 pop up in loads of Samsung phones, so I... I yeah. There's rumblings of like the 
benchmarks for S21 hardware using Qualcomm chips, but mm. this is all still super, super, like, maybe. Like, it's 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 nothing concrete, nothing officially from Samsung, at least. And, um, yeah, the, the Exynos 2100, I think, is the chip that they're... I mean, it, it's interesting because, you know, Samsung is supposedly building the 888 with Qualcomm. Mm. So, yeah, to not really get much about their involvement with having Qualcomm chips in their phones is odd, I would say. It's a little odd if they are working together on, on some of the manufacture, but I think Samsung have their own reasons for doing all this stuff and they're weird about their, their chipsets. And probably as much as anything, it probably just comes down to the fact they haven't announced their Exynos flagship yet. Yep. And maybe they just don't want to be seen officially tied to the Qualcomm flagship when their own flagship hasn't yet been been unveiled to the world it could just be as simple as a messaging thing from their end they want to push exynos before they ever go near us near snapdragon publicly speaking of messaging when you were in the the kind of covering tech summit did you get a sense from qualcomm as to why they went for the 888 and not the 875 like everyone was expecting like what happened there with the name yeah there there's the public line and there's maybe what everyone thinks is the real line Mm -hmm. um so yeah for context the 2020 flagship was the uh, 865 before that was the 855 before that was the 845 before that was the 835 so everyone it, it was just kind of like locked down this was going to be the 875 right we I mean, all i would have put that, money on it, that if you'd asked me wasn't it the 820 before that and then the 801 yeah. before that but like no i stopped at 835 <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm just trying to too deep. <laughs> there were four years of, of that naming yeah. convention um but still it looked fairly safe they're going to carry on with that uh, they have given reason for the 888. What I don't know is why they've gone for it this year, because the obvious thing to do would have been to do 875, and then next year, when you were going to do 885, go and say, nah, 888, you know, 38. That would have made more sense. Anyway, they basically say 8 is the number for their premium tier. You know, the 800 series or 8 series chips are their premium ones. It's their way of saying, this is so premium but it's all eight. So choice. Eight's all the way down, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Realistically, it's more likely it comes down to the fact that eight is seen as a lucky number in China. Triple eight, obviously, is also kind of seen as lucky in in the West, and it's used by a lot of gambling sites and stuff like that, but eight and triple eight, particularly in China, is huge. A lot of people have highlighted the fact that of the 14 OEMs already signed on, most of them are Chinese. Mm -hmm. Um, And... The, the the suggestion is this is Qualcomm sending a signal to its Chinese manufacturing partners that, you know, it is there for them. It wants to work closely with them, especially in a year where we've seen US-China relations sour uh, in a lot of ways. It's maybe Qualcomm trying to strengthen those ties that it has and really emphasize that it is there for its Chinese OEMs um, with with a chip that is for the Chinese market in, in some respects. That's speculation. Qualcomm headquarters is is um, in San Diego for anybody who's wondering. Yeah. Um, so that's my feeling. It's it's kind of that's the signal they're trying to send within the industry. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a name. The bigger question now is what do they do next year? Because you can't. They're not going to do eight ninety eight. I don't think. So I guess this is the the end of the eight hundred series naming convention because they run out of room. I mean, if this is supposedly the best based on the fact they're using all eights, if that's the marketing line, then technically we're just gonna get like eight 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 mark two, and it's just gonna get real messy. I, I don't know. Like... I think I think they've just got to go either the the flagships become the nine hundred series, mm. 
and and then it's like oh we're so premium but we're, <laughs> it's even more premium than eight now it's nine like double Intel. the premium you know <laughs> um the problem they got there is that they're still running out of room in all the other tiers because you know the sevens are up to seven six five and they still have to announce another one of them they're up to the high numbers in all of these tiers so it may be that they're this is kind of the last gasp of this naming convention and that's why they've gone for this like maximum premium triple eight and then next year they're going to restructure the whole thing i don't know i mean we're seeing it with the the cores aren't we isn't isn't this the first time we're seeing a is it cortex x1 form or yep. something so like maybe they'll pull that naming structure into their like and put an x in front of it and then just start a 100 again or something i don't know <laughs> I, mean, I mean i think that's arms naming convention oh is it right the, right the, the, the cortex x1 that's an arm infrastructure <clears throat> thing uh, architecture thing rather that that Qualcomm's pulled in but yeah that's a good excuse to turn on to the actual chip mm. um so yeah, the the this is the first chip in the world to use ARM's Cortex X1 core. Uh, basically, this is about the CPU. The way Qualcomm's chips have been designed before is they have four efficiency cores and four performance cores. So the performance cores run at a high clock speed. The efficiency cores are slower. So they're designed for simpler tasks, and you've got the performance cores for when you need to kick into high gear. This has four efficiency cores, three performance cores. And one like performance performance core. Um, <laughs> so just when you're running lots the... of Chrome tabs, it's that one core <laughs> just for the Chrome tabs. Yeah, uh, I'll admit I'm not I'm not enough of an expert on the intricacies of CPU architecture to go into why that is more effective than the previous structure. Um, it's noteworthy though that you'll sort of notice if you're someone who gets worried about clock speeds, you'll see this is the exact same clock speeds listed as last year's 865. But despite that, they're saying it's a 25% CPU boost. So it's a reminder that clock speeds don't mean that much um, necessarily. And that this change in architecture um, and the shift to a five nanometer process yeah. has enabled um, a big performance jump um, despite that. Yeah, the main things I'm excited about are that die process and the implications yep. of that and the modem setup as well. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And that's something uh, Qualcomm are more bullish about. And it's interesting seeing where they put their focus. So um this is the first year they've used this you know this totally new cpu architecture this whole new design and they barely talked about it really because they didn't want to talk cpu huh. cpu is not what they're here for that's not their focus they basically wanted to talk 5g uh ai camera and gaming and everything was spoken about within those kind of subject areas uh, and they were more talking about tasks than talking about calls and if i'm not mistaken like the way that these these snapdragon chips are built there are almost dedicated subsections of the chip for those specific roles for gp like there's a gpu there's an ai chip there's a yes though it gets more complicated than that because sure. especially on the ai side because yeah there is there's a there's a there's a cpu there's a gpu there's a, a an ai process called uh, hexagon but then they also talk about having the ai engine which they've revamped this year and when they talk about that they talk about the hexagon ai core but they also talk about the gpu right. and how the gpu enhancements are improving ai performance and in fact this time because of the way they've structured things they've added another ai processor because they've got a new um sensing hub where basically they're pulling in together all the data streams from Bluetooth and GPS and Wi-Fi and 5G and things like that. And they've put in a dedicated low-power uh, low AI processor in, that, in there. So that handles anything to do with the, that kind of sensory data about where the phone is and what's going on around it, taking that workload off some of the other calls because it's sort of low-power, low, low, power, low in, not, not very intense work 
but it can pull it away so the other cores can focus on more demanding stuff. They've completely rebuilt the AI section so that uh, the uh, tensor scalar and vector accelerators are now located together um, and literally just reducing the physical distance between them and that makes things faster because the signals have less less distance to travel on the chip you know and it, it, they're, they're claiming that on a, some specific tasks the handoff between the accelerators is now a thousand times faster than last year <laughs> which we'll all be testing thoroughly come review <laughs> yeah you think of these I, tiny nanometers that wouldn't like i know you, how yeah. could you really make that much better anymore but it's partly yeah. also they now have a shared memory pool, which I suspect is is the bigger part of it. Isn't um, isn't that what the M1 chip has as well? Isn't that one of the big things that the M1 brought to I the table so, is having yeah. the shared memory, so like it's all just quicker. Exactly. Um, so there's there's been a lot of shifts there, and yeah, AI they're bullish about it. It now does uh twenty six tops, twenty six trillion operations per second versus fifteen tops on the Snapdragon eight six five. So that is a significant jump forward. This is, Qualcomm says, the, the sort of most tops of any mobile chip. So from an AI machine learning perspective, this is in theory the fastest chip in, in the world for, for phones and mobile devices. Obviously, AI stuff underlies everything you do on your phone more and more, and that will keep going in that direction. So this doesn't matter. And I think it's telling that this is where they see the focus, both in their messaging and their marketing, and actually where they're like pushing their, their investment for for steps forward for it for progress on on chip design mm. uh, one of the other things i noticed is that this is the first mention i've seen of a chip from qualcomm sporting their quick charge 5 standard mm-hmm. uh which just having a cursory look is mean that it's native support for up to 100 watt and they say 100 watt plus so yeah. i don't know whether they're they're hoping that you know we've already seen oppo and Xiaomi go we've got 125 watt chargers um maybe quick there'll be there'll be quick charge compatible charges that kind of exceed that 100 watt boundary again this is one of those areas qualcomm barely spoke about they had weird. charge was just <laughs> not on their agenda at all uh you know i've got, got to mention but a cursory just yeah this quick charge five i mean it was on the spec sheet i'm not even sure they said the words out loud wow. during during the the keynotes um yeah i think this is we've obviously spoken a lot about charging standards in the past and one of the issues is there's no standardization and qualcomm is the closest we have to fast charging standardization so yeah their 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 charging standard getting faster is good the question really is how much people adopt it mm, um, yeah we we saw they, oneplus do that this year with the 8t they made a bit of a fuss that now they were both doing their charging standard and being better about being on the universal standards but i still worry you know we won't see the same across everything which mostly just means you can't share charges you can't share plugs you can't share all the all the accessories as reliably mm. Qualcomm used to make a big deal about um, the charging with the mm. the new standards, you know, at the at the summits and stuff. But it it often didn't find its way into the phones, even though they had exactly. that chip. So it was like, oh, hang on a minute, we've got we've got version three, we've got version four. Why don't these phones have it? So maybe, yeah. If the manufacturers are kind of ignoring it, um, and it, you know, and if they're touting up to a hundred watts, but Xiaomi's already out there saying that its own tech does hundred and twenty, then yeah. yeah. You know, it's not quite so. Qualcomm doesn't look so impressive, does it? I guess the messaging has changed because back when, you know, quick charge, like no one else was really shouting about fast charging. So the kind of Qualcomm had their own kind of playground to play in with that regard. Whereas now we've kind of hit the ceiling for the time being with the current battery tech with regards to just outright efficiency and longevity. 
and which is why yep. all the manufacturers have pushed themselves into looking at better ways of charging and quickly charging their, their devices so i guess it's both a good time and a bad time for quick charge you know it's it's now just another player in a much busier space but at the same exactly. time it's like you said don one of the most established standards out there yep. so yeah interesting um, so yeah, turning to two of the other areas they were very strong on, um, gaming is one. They were talking a lot about the the Snapdragon Elite gaming features, which is a <laughs> god awful branding. I I, I kind of love it because it reminds me of like Naughty's graphics cards. Oh man, um, when you'd go and buy an Nvidia or, or an AMD card, and it would have those like bad like cg renders on the front this is that like, i love women that. in skin tight leather and stuff. <laughs> i just love the ridiculous visuals <laughs> that they were using to somehow yeah. show off how good that card was and, and qualcomm's just doing the exact same thing now <laughs> with all its own like little characters that, that look really enough and just slap the word elite on it or, yeah. or one three three seven you know <laughs> but there are a like few that. key things here uh i think basically the two big ones are something they're calling quick touch which they say is system-wide and will work in any game, but it's basically to reduce touch latency okay. um, and improve response times. They say if you're playing at 60 FPS, you can see up to 20% improvement and up to 10% improvement on 120 FPS. So this doesn't sound so this like is, touch sampling rate. This is something else. It's Yeah, I'm a bit fuzzy on the connection to touch sampling rate. Yeah. It's, not, it's obviously not a hardware thing. I think it's... Touch sampling rate is hardware-driven, yes. as I understand it. This is basically about how the chip handles that input from that point um so it's not to do with the display but yeah they say this will and it's clearly something that's detecting games because they're talking about this as a game feature that will work across all games so it's clearly a kind of like when you load a game up it will it will kick this in right i suspect it's kind of like how you get low latency modes for bluetooth that often kick in when you're in gaming applications and nothing else Mm -hmm. so i think it's kind of diverting resources towards this in a way that it wouldn't normally bother yeah it sounds like it's prioritizing it basically yeah Yeah. in some way um but that works everything so that means anyone who plays a game on a new snapdragon 888 phone will find it a little bit more responsive for most people this will not matter but if you're playing you know cod mobile or PUBG competitively on your phone then cool then why Uh, yeah, <laughs> but the bigger thing maybe is variable rate shading, which is not handled. Well, it is handled on the chip, obviously. It's not something that can be applied to everything. It's something. De- it's a tool for developers, but this is a something that's basically being available in in next gen consoles and and on PC. But it means it essentially shades the pixels in different parts of the screen at different levels of detail. Ooh, kind of like pixel binning for cameras or foveated renderers. But basically, so it's saying, oh, that bit of the screen doesn't need detail, so we just won't, we'll render those four pixels as the same color, ah. rather than rendering them as separate colors. And they're saying you can get, like, up to 40% performance boost by using, the, it's, it's, it's you know, legit tech used in PC gaming, this is just the first time we've seen anyone bring it to a mobile chip. That sounds super but smart. that is something developers have to enable, so you won't see this in all games, and we will definitely start to see Qualcomm tout which games run it and advertise that a bit. So are we to assume that phones like the ROG Phone 4, for example, is going to be, it's going to make better use of the strengths of an AAA over, say, you know, the American version, the S S21 or S30, whatever it's going to be? Yeah, I'm sure we'll see phones like that lean into it more. And actually, on that note, one of the other key things that they, they again, Qualcomm didn't talk about as much, but it feels important, is um, the A88 now supports 144 hertz refresh rate displays at QHD+. Whoa. So 
it's a safe bet that the flagship gaming phones of 2021, the ROG Phone 4 and whatever else, the Black Shark, we've seen Black Shark are on the list of, of OEMs, we know they're using it. Um, they are going to be running 144 hertz at QHD. That seems like a really safe bet. Uh, we've seen 144 hertz before, but not at that resolution. So this is, you know, we can see already, right, that's going to be the headline thing in gaming phones for 2021, which is exciting. I mean, I'm intrigued pairing that with like, you know, these these more dynamic displays that we're expecting in the new year as well, like the Oppo X 2021 that we talked about a couple of episodes back. I imagine like this is the perfect time for them to focus on that kind of stuff because these displays are going to be more demanding than they've ever yep. been, really. So, yeah. That's another thing Qualcomm didn't talk about is um, <laughs> uh, new form factors, new screen types. Really? No, no meaningful discussion of how that might affect chipset or chipset performance or chipset needs um they were talking about phones as if phones all look the same and act the same and as if foldable displays maybe don't have a an impact from their perspective at least not one there did they did they mention a um a laptop version like a kind of adaptation of the 888 for laptops at all or anything like that no so this was the other thing i kind of i guess wanted to end on maybe it's a good note to end on is the things they didn't talk about um Mm. previous years this is the snapdragon summit and yes, they always announce the flagship 800, but they normally announce some other stuff as well. We've seen them announce the their mixed reality chips, the things they put into into AR and, and MR and VR headsets. Um, though sometimes those just use the regular mobile chips. But you know, they they didn't announce a new version of that. I think it's the XR2 is what it's currently yeah. on. So there was no XR3. It's in the Quest 2. There was no Snapdragon compute chip, which is the thing they're putting in in laptops. They don't always announce that at this summit. That often gets announced other times in the year, so that's not too shocking. But still, I think in the wake of Apple's M1, there was partly an expectation that Qualcomm might want to come out swinging with its answer to that. And it's hard, even though they wouldn't normally announce it now, it's hard not to see the complete silence around that topic. <laughs> Definitely. There's a little bit of a sign that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they don't have something ready yet that's going to look really competitive when put next to the m1 and that must be very worrying for them because that will be the moment they announce the next gen of that everyone's just going to say well screw comparing it to intel i want to benchmark this thing next to an m1 and from what we've seen of the m1 that's maybe not going to look great for qualcomm it's tricky for them because it apple doing the m1 basically vindicates their choice to do these chips (laughs) for windows (laughs) but apple just came along and did it so much better yeah exactly and the <laughs> you know the the snapdragon for arm chips have have always suffered on the performance side which seems to be what apple has you know yeah. absolutely nailed so yeah and it, oh. it, what is clear is that it's also about software and that apple has gotten the results it has because it has control over both exactly. and that maybe i know they've worked together on on the surfaces and there was a custom qualcomm chip in in one of the surface devices but Clearly, Qualcomm and Microsoft are not working closely enough on this, yeah. and there needs to be a more aggressive push from the Microsoft side to work with ARM better. My, my blame... Surface devices are perfect for that. Yeah, like they're asking for it. My blame yeah. has always been on the Microsoft side, even from like I think the 8CX was the one that I remember coming mm-hmm. out the chip, and like yeah, I based on you know how well the phones handle. If there was just better, tighter integration between the two, I don't know why, if there isn't, why there isn't like a department of Microsoft and Qualcomm employees literally in the same space working together. Yeah. That's what needs Apple to happen. Apple thing is a wake up call, right? They see mm. this and go, we are behind on this. We are the two companies with the biggest investment in making this work. If we don't pull our fingers out and make it work, 
it won't and apple is gonna make leaps and bounds in macbook market share because once people you know realize that the macs can just trounce most windows devices and those kind of fronts like they're both going to struggle um final thing we've got like a minute or two left before we have to wrap up this this slightly shortened episode there was no 700 series uh, oh. this time last year we saw the 765 and the 765g again we were expecting to see the 775 maybe it will be the 777 we don't know um uh, Qualcomm were asked during one of the media roundtables they basically just said yes we are working on a new 7 series <laughs> which is you know powerfully uninformative i mean to go on the, the casino gambling angle uh 777 works well in the west because yeah. that is yeah. what you know the fruit machines like to show up when you when you win big so yeah but uh, having sense. spoken about lg we expected lg to stick with the 7 series google to do it for the pixel 6 it is interesting that that's not here and it's hard not to wonder why they've hold, held that one back and when we're going to see it, and why why the change in strategy versus last year. Mm. But um, especially given that the 765 is, I think, has arguably been the more successful chip of the two For sure. over the past 12 months. We've seen it used you know, way more than any 700 phone, a 700 chip before. It's wild how well that was taken up by the marketplace. Mm. So you'd think they'd be really keen. And maybe that's their fear. They fear that by announcing them together, I don't know, the, the, the 7 Series might overshadow their own flagship somehow. Well, there was always a big conversation about how expensive 865 chips were for mm-hmm. OEMs to purchase versus previous generations. Yep. So, it's, it's, I mean, it remains to be seen, but I wonder just whether they've addressed that with the 888. And maybe that's why it doesn't seem like as much mm-hmm. of a leap on paper in terms of the architecture and the clock, clock speeds and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see kind of once we start seeing phones with this chip, whether OEMs come out of the woodwork and say, yep, this is a more competitively priced chip. And so we're more happy to use it in more phones across our range. That's got to be part of the hope for them. Mm. Um, Also, on on that note, this probably ties partly into the price. This now has an integrated 5G modem. The the X60 is built into the chip, whereas the 865, they were separate. So you actually, Qualcomm wouldn't sell the 865 without selling you an X55 modem. You had to buy both, which was part of the cost problem. It also meant in terms of space, you had to fit both in. This is seen as part of the reason the Surface Duo ran the 855 is because they couldn't fit the 865 and the X55 in and Qualcomm won't sell you the one without the other. Now they are integrated. It is one chip that includes the modem. And um, and what the weird thing with the previous gen is that's how the 765 was. The 765 and 765G had the modem integrated. The 865 didn't. And it always felt like there was something had gone wrong there and that's been that's been rectified even if microsoft had waited for the 888 i don't know whether that would have fixed the duo it had bigger problems i mean (laughs) honestly it's hardware wasn't the problem was it from everything i've not used it but everyone just says the software was was not there but again that goes back to what we're talking about with the 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 laptops um microsoft just needs to get it together and how it's working with these chips with Mm. these form factors because it's trying to be aggressive in this kind of space but it's just not fulfilling it it's not it's not living up to expectations and did did qualcomm not blame covid for any of this sort of lack of other the you know announcements and innovations or no not at all there was no no suggestion that they had other stuff ready to go that covid delayed obviously very plausible that that is Mm. why but they they certainly weren't trying to blame that they they made a lot of jokes about covid forcing the event to be online rather than in person and all of that kind of thing but uh, absolutely no suggestion that they had other things ready to announce or, or would have wanted to announce they, well, they would, if there they was a failing to... on that side they didn't want to admit it 
They would have at least saved some money by not having it in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no doubt. So they built a whole custom event platform. They could have done the whole thing on Teams, but they built their own whole platform for it. It was wild. It's not their style. Very <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm sorry, we are going to have to wrap this up. This was a shorter episode than normal. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will, of course, be back next week for a normal full length. We will probably be talking about the Oppo Reno 5, which is launching next Thursday on the day of the show. And I don't know, some other stuff. Maybe we can do a more detailed roundup of the Xiaomi Mi 11, which we've touched on very briefly today. But we do know a little bit and it might be coming in a couple weeks. We'll see. But thank you for watching. Like, subscribe and all that. And yeah. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.